what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to the caregiver community, where we're having conversations about the challenges, along with the joys of caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. My name is Jane Everson, and I'm here with my co-host, Frances Hall. How are you today, Frances? Hi, Jane. I'm fine. Great. Frances and I are among the estimated 31 million adults in the United States, and in fact, there are many more millions worldwide who are caring for our aging parents and also caring for ourselves. In this program today, we're going to be talking about the association between aging and anxiety and between aging and depression. We are fortunate to have with us today Dr. Adina Gabor Gajah. Dr. Gabor Gajah graduated from Argosy University in Seattle, Washington with a degree in clinical psychology. She has experience working in community mental health centers as well as in geriatric care centers. She has a lot of research and clinical interests, several of which I think are of interest to adult children and other family members who might be listening today. She's especially interested in women struggling with family relationships, aging and caregiving, cultural issues, anxiety, parenting, and daily stresses, all things that Francis and I can relate to very easily. <laughs> yes. Of, of additional interest to our listeners, Adina is of Romanian descent, and she's fluent in both Romanian and in English. Adina, welcome to the caregiver community. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Adina, let's begin with a definition of terms, just so everyone really understands What is anxiety and what is depression? Are they the same or are they different conditions? And how are they associated with aging? Okay, so anxiety and depression, they are two different um, disorders. They like to live together. They are very, very good friends. Uh, Many people, (laughs) I know, many people who experience depression will also report experiencing anxiety. And people who many times who start having anxiety, they will eventually develop and develop depressive symptoms because the anxiety becomes so hard to deal with. Um, but they are separate. Um, they're separate disorders. Um, anxiety is a state of excessive worry and excessive um, concern about life or different events or the future or just different aspects of life. Um, it sends people into a state of feeling very tense. Um, they find that they live on the edge, so to speak. They find that they um, have muscle tension, sleep disturbances. They find themselves irritated. They report that their mind goes blank. And, um, you know, lots of times students, for example, will say, well, I studied so hard and then the test came and my mind went blank. So that's an example of anxiety. Depression, on the other hand, is a state of loss of interest or pleasure in daily activities activities or just um, daily living, things that people found pleasurable before, they do not find them pleasurable anymore, and um, they they just find themselves in a situation where they are not interested in connecting with other people, they may find themselves having sleep disturbances, they may find themselves um, with appetite changes, um, they're socially isolating themselves, so there is... Um, you know, there is this decrease in intensity of life, so to speak. So we're on one way in anxiety, people are very tense and very, um, 
mobile almost, not physically, but emotionally. They're kind of like all over the place. With depression, it's almost the opposite, where uh, people find themselves just very um, immobile and just just not um, enjoying life anymore like they used to. Hmm. So now it's important to remember that just because somebody feels like this, feels blue or uninterested for a few days, that does not automatically qualify them for diagnosis of depression. Um, Typically, people need to feel that way for at least two weeks. That's a really good and really important point Mm -hmm. to know that that depression is longer than just Yes, in just a few days. Exactly. Right. right. Okay, so you've talked about anxiety and depression. As adult child caregivers, what behaviors or signs should we be aware of when we interact with our parents that may kind of be red flags, if you will, about the conditions? Okay. So um, if you suspect that your parent may be anxious, um, the things that you'd be looking for would be kind of that state of where somebody's fretting, you know, and and they're just um, forgetting where they put things. You see that they're getting a little more irritable. Um, They're just unsure of themselves. Again, there is this this motion almost to to the person. Um, oh, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, are, are we going to the doctor today or tomorrow? Um, w- what's going to happen um, six months from now? Um, oh, look, I've got a new diagnosis. Oh, my God, I wonder what this is. So there is that fretting about things, just very, very concerned. When you're looking at somebody with depression, you're just going to see just that lack of interest. So, for example, you say to your mom, hey, let's go to the farmer's market. And she'll be like, nah, I don't feel like it. I'd just rather stay home. Or she will say, I'm just so tired. I cannot sleep well. Or um, you'll see that she sleeps way too much. Or you will see your father just being very angry and irritable, men typically present depression in, with more anger, whereas women tend to be just blue, so to speak, mm. just more isolated, withdrawn, so more isolated. withdrawn. Exactly. Good to know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You could also see changes in appetite, you know, where people either eat more or they eat less, so you may see changes in weight. Um, one thing that you, um, that, that people need to be watching for is a change in, in cognition, memory problems. Um, there is a state where if the depression gets to be severe enough, you will see cognitive changes. And unfortunately, when providers are not paying attention to all the aspects of a person's life, an older person may be considered to have fallen into dementia when actually um, they have severe depression. Wow. So that is something to definitely keep an eye on. Wow, that's And powerful. I assume then they would be treated very differently. Exactly, exactly. And if once the depression is addressed, then the cognitive problems go away, so the so-called dementia actually goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we recognize these kinds of symptoms in our parents, how should we as adult children approach them, and how should we approach their caregivers? Okay, um... If we have a concern that that our parent may be experiencing the um, these states, either of anxiety or depression, um, it is important to speak up and say, "I just wonder about how you feel. I've been noticing lately you didn't want to go places anymore. I I've been noticing that maybe you are not." 
calling as often, or when I call, um, you're always sleeping, or um, when we talk, you always have a lot of concerns. And I'm wondering, could, would you be able to tell me a little bit about what what are you thinking about in terms of, and then you know talk about what your parents said. So be open and bring out the subject and speak to your speak to your parent. Um, there are times when somebody needs kind of an open invitation to talk rather than just waiting for the parent to say, I have been worried about this or I have been struggling with this. They may not be able to recognize it in themselves, but you as a second set of eyes may be able to see that there has been a behavioral change or a change in mood or a change in emotional state. So it's important to come out and say, I, I'm just concerned and I want to make sure that we, that what it is that we can do about this. Do we need to follow up with the doctor? Do we, is this just something that's transient? And again, remember, especially in the case of depression, just because your parent is kind of down for two or three days, it doesn't mean that you just need to rush into the doctor's office and put your parent on medications. But what it means is that you need to keep an eye on how your parent is doing. And if this continues, then it's definitely something to bring up to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, the one differentiation that I want to make, and I, and I want to bring it up, is um, when your parent has experienced a loss of a loved one, for example, if they are in a stage of grief, the criteria changes a little bit. Grief needs to last for, not needs to last, but grief can last for two months and still not fall into the category of of a depressive disorder. So if grief lasts for longer than two months and becomes complicated, then interventions are necessary. This is not to say that once somebody experiences grief and loss, you just say, okay, we need to wait for two months and then we'll see what happens. Definitely go to support groups, definitely be there, definitely offer support and comfort and care, but understand that grief can go on for about two months or so and still not be considered depression. Mm-hmm. So grief, those are two, yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit Grief different. after the loss of a spouse right. is, is, is to be expected. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And mm-hmm. it does not become pathologized mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a related note, my mother has a, has a long history of anxiety and um, she has a really difficult time talking to her doctor about it. I, I suspect part of that's generational, but she sees it, I think, as a weakness. Mm-hmm. So I feel sometimes like I'm the one saying, have you talked to your doctor? Have you talked to your doctor? And yet when we go to the doctor together, she really presents herself as much more together, I think, than she does around family members. Any kind of advice on that that role that we have as adult children? It, it's difficult to jump in and say, but mom, you didn't act like this yesterday. You were really anxious about mm-hmm. that. How can we kind of navigate that pathway? Or is that normal for parents not to want their adult children to kind of jump in? And um, I think it, it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on the relationship between the, the parent and the child. It depends on the personality of the parent. It, it depends on a lot of factors. I think somebody who has a history of always being open once you find that they're not open anymore and it's a significant change, that that would be cause for concern. If somebody who has not been open and continues to not be open, it's just there, then there is no significant change. It's just a situation that, that you would have to deal with, for example. I would invite conversation. So, I w- for example, I would ask in a way that, that 
invites conversation in the sense of, tell me how the doctor visit went. Um, kind of staying away from the, yes, I talked to the doctor, and no, I didn't talk to the doctor, but tell me how the visit went. Oh, and what did the doctor say about this? And what did the doctor think about that? Um, you get a lot more information that way when you ask open questions that, that just allow the person to come out and say things. Gentle probing is important. Um, I think setting up a structure beforehand is important. Um, continuing the trust or building trust between the adult child and the parent is very helpful. Um, wonder, exploring a little bit the reasons why is the parent reluctant to share with the doctor about their concerns? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the fear behind sharing with the doctor? Um, those are conversations that need to happen at home. And again, understand that those con- those answers will not come out in one session, but they come out you know, over days and over several conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing to do. Um, discuss, again, your own fears about, about the emotional state of, of your parent. Um, it's okay to open up and say, I'm, I'm concerned about what could, well, how this uh, would impact you. Um, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, you live at the fullest potential that you have right now. So those are some of the things that need to come out and need to be spoken between adult children and their parents. Mm-hmm. Good. What are some of the treatment options that um, we might be experiencing with our parents if they've been diagnosed with anxiety and or depression? Are we talking about therapy? Are we talking about pharmaceuticals, maybe a combination? What What is sort of the course of action? I think the best course of action is a combination of both. Um, clearly, I am partial to therapy, <laughs> but... Um, I also believe medications have a good role and and they are effective and helpful. Now, I hear a lot from people, well, I tried this and I tried that and it didn't work. And that's, yes, that may be very true because medications for um, psychological problems, for psychiatric problems, they work in different ways in different people. Um, So I would say if a parent tried a particular pharmaceutical intervention and it didn't work, it doesn't mean that there isn't another one that will work. Now, therapy in isolation works, medications in isolation work, but the combination works even better. So that's what I would encourage people to do. And, you know, people have more resistance to engaging in therapy than to taking medications, especially when somebody has like, I don't know, 10, 15 medications to take, you just add another one in there and, you know, it just kind of goes down with everything else. But therapy is a different deal. But it can be helpful. And I think when people understand that therapy is not this big unknown where you have to spill all your dark secrets, but, mm-hmm. but it's but rather... some coping strategies. Right. It's, it's rather a solution. Behavior. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I think when you present this to, you know, to parents as, let's go see how we can address the anxiety. You don't have to talk about what you don't want to talk about. Let's go and explore ways to cope with the anxiety, you know, and offer to go together if that would be helpful for your parent. Um, you know, give them as much control as they can possibly have over the situation tell them you can stop anytime. This is just like anything else. You're not tied into a situation that, where you don't want to be. 
There, you know, in ACAP, we hear people talking about all kinds of different specific scenarios that parents have have experienced and have experienced some some anxiety or some depression. Let's talk about a couple of those that just keep surfacing. Okay. What would you? What words of wisdom and insight would you have for us? Uh, say the parent has moved to a new new community from where they had been living for a long time. What kind of insight, what kind of words of wisdom would you have for those of us who are adult child caregivers? Um, a move is a stressful event in life regardless of age, um, but especially a move from one's home into a facility, whether it's a nursing home or whether it's an assisted living or even independent living. Um, there's a lot of issues surrounding downsizing and um, what if your parent is moving in because of a health issue, so you have the move and a health issue on top of everything, so multiple, multiple losses. I would say to make the transition more bearable and easier to handle, if possible, take your parent to visit the place beforehand. Um, maybe they will see something that they like or they may run into somebody that they know. They may be able to make a connection. Um, eventually, yes, there will be that parent that will look at 10 or 15 different places and not like either one of them, but when a decision has to be made, a decision has to be made. Um, once they are moved in, um, I think it's important to bring items of comfort. Um, so pictures are important to bring, um, blankets, pillows, um, you know, wh- whatever makes the person comfortable, just to give it a little bit more of that sense of home. Now I hear a lot, and, and when I was in when when I was providing elder care myself, I would see families coming in and putting you know grandma in one of the rooms and say this is your new home now and yes this is a new place where grandma's going to live but this is really not home and I think understanding that and giving that a voice and saying we have items yeah, yeah we have items from home but but this is the place where you're gonna you know where you're gonna live and how can we as a family make it more bearable for you so it resembles more about home so acknowledging the change acknowledging, acknowledging that it yes. is an anxious absolutely time. absolutely because if your parent is getting anxious and depressed and you come in with but this is your new home look how beautiful and they're not really invested in that they're gonna going to feel like their voice is not heard they're going to feel that they're not understood and it's not going to make them feel any better. And really feel more alone probably yes, in that whole process. absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are some facilities that encourage families, bring your person in and don't visit for like three weeks. I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I always encouraged my families to come in and visit and stay as long as, as they could, especially in the beginning when the transition happened. I find that to be helpful. I always think about myself. If I was in that situation, sure. wouldn't I want my daughter and my son to be with me? Right. Right. I think it, in the long run it helps. Um, you don't want your parent to feel abandoned. Here's your new house. Right. Well, this is not my new house. This is not my new home. And then you're leaving me here. It's not helping to 
make the relationship any closer. And I think the more we can help with the transition, the better the outcome is going to be. Good advice. Absolutely. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Sort of along the same lines, and Mm -hmm. you sort of mentioned this a minute ago, what can we do relative to a parent becoming anxious or depressed following a medical diagnosis? Um. Give your parent as much information as you possibly can. Go to the doctor's visits with your parent, if your parent allows. Um, Increase that connection, especially if the relationship is good. You know, increase that warm and fuzzy connection between you and your parent. Remind your parent that you're both a team and you will all work together to make things a lot better. Um, within the restrictions of the diagnosis, um, keep that sense of family and teamwork together. And I think that can definitely help reduce the anxiety about what the future is going to bring. When you go to the doctor, talk about different options for treatment. Again, be very informed and provide your parent with information. Um, If you're good at looking, um, you know, at doing research and reading articles, reading books about it, maybe even getting online on on the better sites, not just, you know, on any any site because there's a lot of information and people need to be wise about what they pick up from the Internet, but be informed and and tell your parent we are in this together. You're not alone. We are in this together and we will make it work the best way that we can given the situation that we have. It's, it's, it's very difficult, I think, to balance how much um, we want to fix and give mm-hmm. information with how much or how quickly I think a parent might be able to absorb the information. Right. I'm thinking of, of diagnoses like Alzheimer's or diagnoses of a, of a cancer that truly might be life-threatening, whereas I think our initial reaction is jump in, find out all the information, and try to give them as much. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think we sometimes have to temper listening to them, right. asking kind of reflecting on what right. they are ready to take and, and if they are ready ever to take the entire right. diagnosis. Right, exactly. It's a real hard call. Exactly. It's good for us to have all the information, but we give it back according to how what they ask and how much they ask. And I think listening with a wise mind is very, or wise ear, I should say, is very important because a question is a question, but there's a lot more behind the question, too. So listening wisely is important because maybe there's something your parent is afraid to say, but you may be the one that needs to come out and say, look, if you're looking at dying from this, we have several options we can look at. Your parent may be afraid to say, but what happens, you know, on the last days? There's one thing about thinking about something and a very different thing saying it out loud. 
And I, I hear people talking about that sometimes the parent is more willing to talk those kinds of things with someone besides the adult child mm-hmm. because they want to protect the adult child. You know, the, mm-hmm. to, to the mother or father, that they may be an adult and incredibly capable and, and, you know, successful and competent and all of that, but it's still their child and they mm-hmm. want to protect that child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. You mentioned this, Adina, but I think we could talk just a little bit more about um, perhaps the, the, the normalness of, expect, of experiencing depression following the death of a spouse. I, I know when my father died, my parents had been married 60 years and had really spent very little time apart. And my mother, still a year later, I would say is depressed don't know that she needs assistance other than the acknowledgement that that's Mm -hmm. a very normal Mm -hmm. thing to be depressed after the death of a spouse. Could you speak a little bit? Absolutely. Yes. And again, you know, we have the guideline of two weeks versus two months. Um, it kind of produces a chuckle in me because I think if, if I was in that situation, you you don't eight weeks don't just go by and then you wake up and say okay everything's back to normal because it isn't when you've been together for forty fifty sixty years. Two months is not going to make you feel better, but as long as you see a progression going from the deep from the depth of grief climbing out of it slowly even mm-hmm. if it takes let's say about a year mm-hmm. I think as an adult child being able to rein in that desire to fix and see mom or dad back to yeah. to the level mm-hmm. where they used mm-hmm. to be before is going to be really important now again it's that wise mind that comes into play and finding that balance is my parent really depressed am I seeing a downward slope in their emotional functioning or am I seeing a progress where they're going up, where they're better than how they were three months ago. They're not perfect, Mm -hmm. but they're doing better. So I think as long as you see progress, being there and being able to offer support, maybe finding your parent a support, a grief support group to go to, maybe encouraging your parent to connect socially with with the group that they were connected with before, Um, maybe visiting a little bit extra, maybe calling a little bit extra, these are helpful things to do to help with the depression. But definitely, if you do not see a a positive progression, then that's a, that's a red flag and that needs to be investigated. Mm-hmm. So we might expect to have sadness around the holidays, around Absolutely. the anniversary, the death, uh, maybe around a particular favorite food yes, or, or vacations. Mm-hmm. Or, or music. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even music. But too, memories yeah. and being able to acknowledge the sadness yes. is very different from just not being able to get exactly, on with Exactly, 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 yes. And, and this is something we um, hear, I, I think, somewhat surprisingly, maybe not, from our, some of our ACAP programs, and that's uh, anxiety and depression following divorce late in life, yes. where, where parents might be divorcing in their 70s or 80s, and um, the parents might be anxious and depressed, maybe the adult children as well. <laughs> right. Could you speak to that? I, I call that a phenomenon. I don't know how unusual it is. But <laughs> I would say... Uh, in case of divorce, um, the reactions would be pretty similar to, to the grief one experiences after death. I mean, it is the rupture of a relationship, and that is important to keep in mind. So you would be looking for similar things. Yes, there will be grief. There will be lots of anger, too. 
um, an animosity and all of that, um, you know, depending on the circumstances of, of the divorce. But again, I would say look at your parents individually. Um, and look for that trend, for that upward trend. Are they doing better over time than, or are they just going down? And then, you know, prepare your intervention, whichever one that may be, according to what's happening to your parent. Now, unlike in a, in a death situation, if, if, or a divorce situation, you got two parents to watch out for, you know, compared to one, but definitely look for that upward swing. You want to see progress made across time. And that's, that sounds like sort of a common theme of what you're saying is watch for a progression yes. coming out of that, that darkness, that depression, that anxiety. Um, if it's stable, that it's the same today as it was a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. or if it seems as though there's more anxiety or more depression, yes. then really be very aware of that. Yes, absolutely. And, and absolutely. do some sort of intervention mm-hmm. with absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that... that so much of what you're saying really resonates. I'm, I'm thinking, gee, I wish I had known some of these things um, uh, several years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when my mother did move to a different uh, to a different location, mm-hmm. uh, moved near me, and and did have um, a diagnosis of of a condition, a health issue, and and as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, some of the things I did right and, and exactly what you're saying and other things I'm like wow I wish I had known that <laughs> but it's so hard not to jump in I, I think as adult children we right. want to fix right and That's fixing right. often is let's do it let's get it over with check it off the list now and move on right. with the next thing right. and really taking that deep breath and watching right. carefully over time is Excellent advice. Hard to do sometimes, right. but important to remember. That's right. That's it's right. hard as an adult child to watch your parent decline. That That's true Definitely. because, you know, we grow up and we're so internalized about our parents being in charge and being strong, stronger than us, you know, through many, many years. And then to see them developing health issues just weaker physically than what they used to be even if they are, they are in perfect health you know you're just not as strong as 80 as you were when you were 30 it, it makes a difference so so going through that developmental process and understanding that we're not there to fix we're there to support and make the last years and make the end of life be more bearable and easier mm-hmm. is going to be really important for the adult child to understand And that's such a perfect segue into our next question. And that is um, that that as we are taking care of our parents, as we are caregivers for our parents, um, what about anxiety and depression among adult child caregivers? You know, I think this is worth our spending some time not just focusing on the parent and their anxiety and depression, but also for those of us who are adult child caregivers. What can we do to take better care of our own mental health as we care for our aging parents? That's a very good question. I think um, it begins with recognizing where our we emotionally in relationship to our parents have we emotionally differentiated from our parents and that doesn't mean that we don't care it just means that we are emotionally strong enough to stand on our own two feet because you know we are preparing for the time in life when we do not have our parents anymore and what does that mean to us 
individually. So I think a little bit of self-exploration is going to be very important. Where are we emotionally in relationship to our parents? Um, now, that being said, once that is clarified, I think it's important to to connect with other individuals in, in a similar situation. So being part of a group of people that struggles or deals with with um, with their aging parents is going to be helpful because the exchange of ideas and encouragement goes a long way in reducing anxiety because um, we get anxious when we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what to expect. But when you sit and talk to somebody who's going through something similar, it makes us feel a little bit better. Yeah, you you know? realize we're not alone. Exactly. We're not the only ones exactly. going through the experience. Right. And it can so, be very isolating. It can be. Can Absolutely. Be it can be. Yeah, depending on, on the situation. If you're an in-home caregiver in your home with your older parent all day, it can get to be pretty tough. Um, so again, connecting with other people, asking siblings for help. If there are other siblings that can do things, you know, maybe take the parent to the doctor or whatever, do the grocery shopping or, you know, make some phone calls, look up into the bills, what, whatever, however the, the children, the siblings can divide the duties. Um, so it takes the pressure off of just one individual. And even when, um, even when the adult children live in different parts of the country, there are still things that they can do to help each other. It doesn't mean that, you know, if we're in Hickory and my brother is in, I don't know, Seattle, now my brother's off the hook. He doesn't have to do anything, <laughs> right? So, you know, having a family get together and focusing on that issue only, on how to take care of the parents and leaving all the nursery stuff behind is <laughs> <laughs> going to be really important because the discussion is not about how to do payback, but the discussion is about how do we care for our parents? You know, our two parents cared for all 10 of us how how are we the 10 of us going to take care of our parents for example right. so that's going to be really important um it's okay to acknowledge that you are frustrated afraid unprepared you don't know what to do acknowledge that to yourself and acknowledge it to the people that are part of your support group um one way to kind of ward off the anxiety is to become informed the more we know what to expect mm -hmm the better we're going to feel, the sense of control that we all want to some extent. Information can provide part of that to us. Um, I think it's important to remember that this is a season of life and it's not the rest of your life. Right. Although if you don't take good care of yourself, it could create problems for the caregiver and it could be the rest of your life. There have been situations like that in the past where the caregiver did not take care of themselves and they ended up dying before the person. Yeah, good yeah. reminder. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a developmental level to go through. This is, again, just a season of life where you take care of your aging parents. They're not going to be with you forever. So, you know, once they're gone, then, you know, the caregiving part is gone, but you're left with memories and you're left with... Um, you know, with, with things to think about and to, to reflect on later on. I think that brings up another really important question. We've talked about how a parent might feel and would normally feel on the death of a spouse, but what about us as adult children? Mm -hmm. What 
what should we think about? What should we expect? I know when my father died, I always say somewhat unexpectedly, even though he was 85, mm-hmm. is his death was somewhat unexpected. My mother and I had focused so much on the caregiving the last 30 days of his life that really his death, we, were, we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what to do first. We didn't know what his wishes were. It just was, it all came crashing down mm-hmm. on top of us. And it seems odd to think that we wouldn't have thought of that as mm-hmm. an outcome. But we really didn't. Yeah. I think it's important to be prepared. And these conversations between the adult child and the parent need to happen over time. So then when something unexpected happens, um, people are not, at least there is a tentative plan. So there is, again, the sense of, okay, I sort of know what we're going to do. And then we will adjust it according to the current situation. But definitely, I mean, it's another loss. So expect the experience of grief and loss after Mm -hmm. the death of a parent. Lots of questions that come up about do we do the right thing we should we have done right this? Yeah. exactly and once something is done it's done i mean you know remind remember that you're doing the best you can with the circumstances that right. you're given right right very good advice yeah mm-hmm. absolutely adina are there any other or final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners um sure Um, I already kind of mentioned that, you know, you're not alone and make sure that you um, connect with somebody, make sure that you get plenty of information and make sure that you take care of yourself. Um, And then, you know, attitude is everything. When we look at caregiving as a burden, then it becomes a burden. When we look at caregiving as, um, again, a season in life, as something that maybe you're giving back to your parents when you're thinking about, you know, just the last years that you have to connect together and focus on the positive, then it's not quite as bad. It's not quite a, quite a, as big a burden. Um, and then you'll have something positive to look back on rather than just remember, oh, I remember when this or I remember when that. You have more positive experiences to focus on. So attitude is is a big, big part of how um, life events are experienced and very understood. Important. Very, very, very important. important. Yeah. And then also, I, I really believe in transgenerational experiences. I think we model behaviors to our children. Our parents model behaviors for us. So I think just in the bigger picture for the family across the generations, I think making the caregiving experience a positive one is going to be good for the ones that are coming up, (laughs) you know, for the younger ones, but also giving us comfort knowing that we're following through. Mm -hmm. And it really is that cycle of life. It is, yeah. You know, that that whole thing of we are always learning from and teaching Mm -hmm. those who come before us and after us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What an opportunity to do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, Adina, this has, this has been wonderful. I want to thank everyone for listening today to the caregiver community. I know that I've enjoyed and learned a great deal, and I'm sure everyone else has today, not only about caregivers, but also about caregiving. The program that you're listening to is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and check out the other programs available for free at www.themesh.tv. On the MESH site, you may also send us a button or a recommendation for future show topics using the Contact Us button. 
We also hope you'll find us on Apple iTunes, where you may subscribe to our show and make sure you receive all future episodes sent to you automatically. You'll find a link to Mesh on our ACAP community website as well. Francis, we've talked a little bit about ACAP community. Where can people go for more information on that? Absolutely. You can go to ACAP community's website, which is www.acapcommunity.com, and that is ACAP. ACAP that stands for Adult Children of Aging Parents. So www.acapcommunity.com. Call toll free 1 877 599 ACAP, which would be 2227, or email us at info at acapcommunity.com. Great. Thank you. Look forward to future episodes. Thank you again, Adina. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.